So for Father's Day this year, we decided to have a car show, and uh, one of the people participating actually donated one of their cars, and so you guys today are going to be able to, no, I'm kidding, we're not going to give a car, but um, had you. Um, uh, disclaimer, I don't watch the Oprah show, I don't believe nearly everything that Oprah believes, um, but this is a viral, epic moment that everybody knows about, right? Like, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, everybody gets a car, like it's just such a funny moment, um, and it's, it's a good picture because as followers of Jesus, generosity is one of our core values. If you look from cover to cover the Bible, if you look at the character of God, God is a generous God. And he calls us as his people to be generous. So today, um, we're going to look at somebody else, not Oprah, who gave generously. And we're going to discover that God is inviting us to do the same. So if you've got a Bible, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're in a mini-series, Be Generous, working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Last week, Patrick Dennis spoke and uh, invited us to be generous. And so, uh, whether it's... You were generous in the past week, or maybe like in your own time of Bible reading, or you know, maybe God's been teaching you something. How have you taken a step of faith? How have you obeyed God? Some tangible, concrete, doesn't have to be this big, extravagant thing, but what's a simple, concrete thing that you've done in the past week to live out your faith? So, I'm gonna give you about 60 seconds, turn to somebody next to you, and just share hey, here's what I did in the past week, here's how it went. Ready, set, go. All right, awesome. So, like we've been doing, we want to encourage each other to celebrate steps of faith. Uh, if you had something that you wanted to share with the group, raise your hand, and Stephanie will come around and give you the mic. We'd love to hear how did you obey this past week. Raise your hand. Oh, oh, we got two people. Okay, Stephanie's running as fast as she can. <laughs> Uh, so, I guess it was over these past two weeks, because I haven't been here in a sec, but uh, me and a friend, one of the very few uh, Christian, devote Christian friends I have, have started reading the Bible together, and so we'll be discussing what we read uh, today, hopefully, if we nice. make the time. Awesome. Awesome. Reading the Bible with a friend, sharing what you're learning, great. We had somebody else. So uh, last week, Patrick Dennis um, was preaching. He wrote a book, God, Apologetics, and um, I bought two of them and gave one to my granddaughter and her friend uh, to encourage them in their journey and uh, their soul searching that they're doing in Alaska right now. Yes. Awesome. Giving resources to help people discover God. That's awesome. Anybody else? 
Yep. So I have a friend who teaches at a Christian school, so technically you could say she's below the poverty line. <laughs> <laughs> and she was up here uh, for the last month uh, doing something for Prince William County. It's part of their retirement system, so she can get some extra money. So she spent the night with me Friday night because I was taking to her to the airport on Saturday. And I was thinking, well, I'll take her out. And she goes, no, no, no. I want to take you out for dinner to thank you for all you've done for me this month. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I we went to IHOP and had a great dinner. So the next day I drop her off at the airport and I'm pulling away and I move my purse and she had slipped a $20 bill underneath my purse. Wow. And I am like, you know, she's so generous with, and she has nothing. Wow. And, you know, we're all trying to bless her every which way we can, but yet she turns around, she just blesses us. Wow. That's awesome. That's good. Anybody else think that was it? Okay. I'm going to share two. One is not mine, but I just heard it in the parking lot. It's from a student, actually. He said that he was praying last night. I didn't realize that students did that on Friday night or Saturday nights, but um, he was praying and he felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to give. And then he showed up today and he was like, okay, I feel like God's telling me I need to give. And so I was like, well, how could you start? Because I'm assuming that he's hearing that, but you know, maybe he's not acted on it yet. And he's like, oh yeah, no, I gave. And I was like, Whoa, let's go. So I thought that was so cool that our students are hearing and obeying and giving. So let's celebrate that. That's awesome. And then here's mine. So I was at Starbucks, and I'm over at the Starbucks in Gainesville. And uh, I don't know if y'all have ever walked in there and seen this girl, but there's a girl in there, and she was uh, she was filthy. She had, like, dirt or something all over her. And... She was sitting in a chair, and she was kind of doing like this, and like, it, it looked very strange. And so I happened to get my cup of coffee. I go outside, and there's a glass window. Well, I sit down. I'm actually working on this sermon, and she's on the other side of the window, and I just see her just doing like all this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? So I, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's mental health, if it's substance abuse, if it's demonic attack. So I start praying. You know, Jesus, would you free her? Would you help her if there's any demonic forces oppressing her? Would you cast them off of her? And eventually she chills, and so I'm working away. Well, later I hear this voice behind me, on, it's like sitting on a bench, and the voice says to someone else, could you spare a couple of dollars? And when I hear that voice, I'm like, to get asked for a couple dollars, you know, like, and I, it's going to be someone who doesn't even need it, and they're getting drugs or whatever, you know, and I, as I'm typing a sermon on being generous, and, and so the first person says no, so then I'm still working, all of a sudden I hear another person ask, or she asks another person, hey, could you spare a couple dollars, and the person says no, and I'm still thinking like, oh, here we go, I'm getting closer, I'm, I'm right here, she's going to ask me, and then sure enough, I heard Hey, excuse me, sir. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm thinking from past experience, sometimes I'll give cash, sometimes I won't. But I've done the whole guy says, hey, I need gas. And I said, well, here, let me buy your gas. And he says, oh, I just need the money. And so I'm, I, I'm a little jaded, you know, with some of that. And so I'm thinking to myself, if she says, can you get me a cup of coffee or can you get me food, 
then, then I'm, to- I'm giving it to her, right? Like, I'm totally cool with that. And she says, hey, can, can you get me a cup of coffee? And I was like, absolutely. It was the girl that was sitting doing all this. And she was chill. She was acting normal. So we go in. She gets like $20 worth of coffee. So it was like a small Starbucks cup. Um, and so I start working. And, I, and I'm about to leave. And I go back to her. And I say, hey, are you like into music? Because I'm thinking, I'm like, is she like listening to music and dancing? Like what is going on? And she says, no, not really. But she says, I am building a portfolio for art for churches. And I was like, what in the world? Like, okay. I was like, well, I work for a church. So here, let me give you my name and email and name of our church. And so it was a really, it was a range of emotions from bizarre to very creeped out to um, convicted that God was like teaching me. Preston, you're writing a stinking sermon. You're going to tell other people they need to be generous. And yet here you are withholding generosity. And yet in the end, Thank goodness, uh, I did give, and it was so awesome. It was great to see her, how her eyes lit up, and it was just awesome. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe she'll make some art for us one day. Who knows? I don't know. Okay, awesome. Thanks for sharing how you guys are living out your faith. I think it's really important, and it's encouraging to all of us. So, all right, we're going to pick up 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're new here, we believe that this is the Word of God. We believe it's inspired by God. So this is the Word of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability, Of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So Paul's talking to the church in Corinth and he says, I want you guys to know about the grace that God gave to the churches in Macedonia. What kind of grace? The grace that despite their circumstances, poverty and affliction, they were able to give generously to others. So this is grace from God. They were generous and they really didn't have a lot. Now who did they give to? He says that their wealth of generosity was uh, given to, in verse 4, the ministry to the saints. Well, what saints? Well, the saints in Jerusalem. There were Christians in the city of Jerusalem, which is actually where the church started and obviously sent out people to start new churches, one of, some of those being in Macedonia. And um, those Christians had gone through a famine. They'd experienced persecution uh, for their faith from Jewish people. And so these churches in Macedonia were given grace by God to collect money, pull their money together, despite their circumstances, to help Christians in Jerusalem. So Paul brings up their generosity, but why? Let's go back to the text, verse 6. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. So Paul brought up the churches of Macedonia to encourage and to inspire and instruct 
the church in Corinth. And he's saying, look, they gave to the saints in Jerusalem, and you guys need to give to the saints in Jerusalem. In fact, the church in Corinth had begun to give previously, and they had an eager desire to give. But for whatever reason, they hadn't finished taking up that collection. And so Paul said, when we heard about the church in Macedonia, we sent Titus and said, hey, you need to complete this collection, this act of grace, to the church in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 7. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. So Paul tells the church in Corinth, look, you, you excel in so much. You excel in love and in faith and all these great things. Even think back to the letter at 1 Corinthians when he lists out all the spiritual gifts they had. They had all these incredible spiritual gifts. And he says, you excel in so much. Now excel also in giving financially to the church in Jerusalem. And so for us, uh, as a church today, New Life, if we're going to lean into the, what God's saying, we need to excel in financial generosity. We too, just like the church in Macedonia, church in Corinth, the church, New Life Christian Church here in Gainesville, we need to give generously, to excel in that. And guys, you are that kind of church. I just want you to hear me say that. Um, you excel in ministry to the next generation. You excel in deep relationships with one another. You excel in obedient faith. And you excel in financial generosity. A couple of months ago, I got a phone call. And someone's telling me that there's a woman whose husband has abandoned her and her kids. And she's a Christian woman. She's struggling to pay the bills. And there's several of you from this church family who stepped up and you contributed thousands of dollars. You guys, this is what you did. Um, contributed thousands of dollars to not only pay this woman's bills at her lowest point, but to also give Christmas gifts to her family. You guys made that possible. That's how you excel in financial generosity. And so that shows me that God has given this church grace to be generous. I think about how you guys give, um, whether it's the Thanksgiving meals and feed tons and tons of families in this area, kids at the school and their families, or it's Christmas gifts, with whether it's kids at the school or um, kids whose parents are incarcerated through prison fellowship. You guys are generous. This is, this is who you are. This is what you do. And so on an individual level, maybe you are generous, but what would it look like to excel even more, to excel for us as a church? What if we excelled even more in our financial generosity? So Paul starts there. That's pretty much, that's the sermon. That's the whole main point of this passage is we need to excel in financial generosity. So he starts there, uh, and then he's going to give us kind of three keys to doing that. And here's the first one. Let's go back to the text, starting in verse 8. I am not saying this as a command, so that's important, when commanding them to, do, to give. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, meaning the churches of Macedonia, I am testing the genuineness of your love. So Paul told them, hey, I want you to excel in financial generosity. But then he clarifies, look, hey, I'm not commanding you. So Paul wasn't strong-arming strong them or demanding, hey, you've got to give. But he was giving them a test. What kind of test? He wanted to test, did the church in Corinth 
really love the Christians in Jerusalem? Did they really love their brothers and sisters in Christ who didn't have food, who didn't have clothes, who didn't have a place to, to live, whatever they were going through in this famine and the persecution they were facing? Did they really love them? Because if they did, then they would give. Once there was a tree, and she loved the little boy. And the little boy would, uh, would get her leaves and make a crown, and he would climb her trunk and swing on her branches, pick and eat her apples. Uh, he would, you know, take a nap under her shade. And the tree was happy. One day the boy leaves and he becomes a punk teenager. And the little boy, uh, he comes back to the tree finally after this time away. And he says, and the tree actually says to him, come play, come swing on my branches. And the little boy says, uh, I don't want to do that. I, I don't have time for all that. He says, I want money. You got any money, tree? And the tree says, well, I don't have any money. Money didn't grow on trees. No, I didn't say that. But he says, I don't have any money. <laughs> but she said, but I do have apples. And she said, take my apples and go sell them in the city, and you'll have money, and then you'll be happy. So the tree gave her apples to the boy. Well, time passed. Boy's living his life, comes back, tree sees him. Hi, boy, it's great to see you. Come lay in my shade. Come play with me. And the boy says, uh, I'm too busy. I don't have time to be playing with you, tree. I want a family, a wife, and kids. I need a house. Do you have a house, tree? Can you give me a house? And the tree said, well, I don't have a house. But I could give you my branches, and you could build a house. And then you'd be happy. So the tree gave the little boy her branches and went and built the house. Oh, the little boy lives his life, doing his thing. Eventually comes back. The tree's so excited. Oh, boy, come play with me. It's so good to see you. And he says, ah, I'm too old to play. I just want a boat. And I can drive away, go fishing, go do something. And so he says, Tree, you got a boat? Can you give me a boat? Some of y'all might be thinking this morning, man, I wish I had a boat, especially in the summer. Um, the tree said, no, I don't have a boat, but I could give you my trunk, and you could go build a boat, and then you'd be happy. So the little boy cuts down the tree. All that's left of the tree is a stump. Went off, driving his boat, going fishing. Comes back. And the tree is so excited. She says, oh, it's great to see you, little boy. I don't have anything for you. I'm just a stump. And the little boy said, well, I'm too old to really do much now. I just need a place to sit. And the little boy sat on that stump. And the tree was happy. The tree gave because she loved the little boy. The churches in Macedonia gave because they loved their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And for you and me, if we are going to excel in financial generosity, here's the first key that we've got to understand. We've got to give out of love. Give out of love. You can't just say that you love somebody and not give and not serve and not help. You can't just say, oh, I love these people. You've actually got to take action. And when you take action, 
Why? Why are you giving? What makes you give? Is it that you feel guilty? Well, I'm supposed to give. God's going to be upset with me if I don't. Is it that you feel obligated? Well, the pastor said I had to give, so I'm supposed to give. Or do you give because you love the people that you're given to? Do you, do you give because you love God and you love these people and you're motivated and driven by love? That's the first thing. We've got to understand that Paul wanted the church in Corinth to understand we excel in financial generosity by giving out of love. So that's the first key. Then he continues, uh, verse 10. And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. So Paul told the church in Corinth, I'm giving you advice. This is to help you guys out. You started to take this collection up. You were eager, but you haven't completed it. And I want you guys to complete it. How much did Paul want them to give? That's kind of the question now, right? Like, okay, we're going to give, but how much do we got to give? And Paul in this moment he didn't come in like a fundraiser and have the thermometer and have the total, we need to give $100,000 and here's where we are. He didn't do that. He also didn't say, all of you should each give a tenth. You should give a tithe. All of you should give 10% of what you make and we'll give that to the Christians in Jerusalem. He didn't say that either, did he? Well, what did he say? In verse 11, he says uh, that there may also be a completion according to to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has. Paul wanted them to give based on what they had, not based on what they didn't have. One day Jesus is walking in the temple. And he looks out and he sees these people come to worship, people who say they love God and they love people. And he sees people who are giving. They walk up to the collection boxes. And you know like when you used to go to the grocery store and you'd like have your big jar of coins and you'd dump that joker out and you'd shake it in there and you'd, you'd get like 20 bucks back, right? That's kind of how it would sound. They would actually have these, these boxes where the, the coins would kind of roll down into them. And so if you gave a lot, you'd hear all this jingling as the money's going down. And so Jesus is watching these people give in the temple, and just imagine the noise. All this money's being put in, right? Well, all of a sudden, no one notices, but a widow walks up. And she is unassuming. She slips by everyone else. Her clothes and her outfit's not that nice. Her skin's weathered with aging. But she's got a smile on her face and an eagerness in her heart to come and give. And she reaches into her pocket and she pulls out two measly coins. She drops them in the collection box. Not a lot of noise from two little coins. And if you and I were there watching and we had seen her, we might think, well, she's not that generous. I'm going to put in two little coins. 
And yet Jesus looked over to his disciples and he says in his teachable moment, this woman, she gave more than all of them. Why? How could this woman who gave like a penny's worth of money give more? He said because they gave out of their surplus a little bit. They had money and they gave a little bit, but she gave all that she had. She didn't have a lot, but she gave what she had. Paul wanted the church in Corinth to know, whatever you can give, even if it's not a lot, give according to what you have. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty because you can't give a lot right now. Give according to what you have, not what you don't have. And so if we're going to be like the widow, if we're going to be like the church in Corinth, here's the second key to giving excelling in our financial generosity we give according to what we have a couple of things here i might regret this i might get corrected or i might change my mind later but you know you realize once you actually become a pastor and you're like oh i have to say what i think about certain things and i've never had to say that in front of people before um based on my understanding of this passage other passages of giving in the new testament how I think about the New Testament in relation to the whole Bible, um, I would say I do not believe that Christians are uh, required to tithe. That's just my belief. Could be wrong. I totally grant that. Um, I believe that Christians are encouraged to give eagerly according to what they have. So what that means is some of us might only give 1% of what we make for whatever reason. Maybe you've got debt, maybe you've got bills, maybe you're in a season of life where like you really, you are maxed out. And so if that's you, and you hear, you must tithe, thou shalt tithe, give a tenth, you're probably going to feel guilty. But what if you're given all that you have? What if the widow couldn't have brought a tenth? What if she could only bring two mites? What if you can only bring five bucks a month to give to the church? What if you could only give one Thanksgiving meal this year? Whatever it is, if you're eager and you're giving according to what you have, your gift is pleasing to God. That's my personal belief about it. Personally, how I live this out, and I think this is important for transparency and just so you know how I live in light of the Bible, not just talking about it, I believe that when I first started working that a tenth was a great place to start. So I gave 10% when I started working. Every year that Meg and I have been married, we have tried to increase our giving by one percentage point. So we gave 10% the first year, 11% the next year, 12% this year. So we are going, Lord willing, we plan on going to do 13%. I don't know what happens when we get to age 99, but I guess, you know, the Lord will provide. But, um, that's what I've done. So I'm, I'm just trying to be honest and say, I think a tenth is a great place to start, but some of us need to give 30%. Some of us could get 50%, but some of us maybe only give half a percent. We give according to what we have, and we give eagerly. That's what Paul told the church in Corinth to do. So that's the second key to um, excelling in financial generosity. Paul continues. Here's the, here's the third point. Verse 13. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. 
at the present time, your surplus is available for their need. So that their abundance may in turn meet your need. In order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much. And the person who had little did not have too little. So Paul wanted them to give, well, to what end? Uh, here's what end he didn't want them to give to. He didn't want the church in Corinth to give to the point where they began to struggle financially. And now they were impoverished and now they couldn't pay their bills and they didn't have clothing or food. He wasn't saying, hey, relieve the church in Jerusalem's hardship. Let them live a lavish, good life and y'all struggle. He was not saying that, he says. It was a question of equality. Now, you know, you got to read this in terms of what Paul meant when he wrote it, not how we might hear this, uh, especially uh, maybe in America today where the idea of equality in terms of the government paying everyone the same and taking money from certain people, this would not be applied in that way. I don't think that this is... Um, or I know that this is not a uh, text that would lead to saying, hey, we should become communists or socialists. How do I know that? Well, because he said, out of your surplus, give. That's the first thing. So some people got a surplus. Some of y'all in this room right now, you got a surplus. If we said, hey, let's let the government just take away and everybody gets the same amount, no one have surplus. We couldn't even do what he says here. So that's one reason. Another reason is uh, earlier when he's talking about the church in Macedonia especially, he says uh, that they gave, I want to make sure I get this phrase right, of their own accord. It's really important that individuals are choosing to give to those in need. Not that they're being mandated to give uh, to those in need or to give up their money so others can, can have. He says, out of your surplus, eagerly give for the purpose of equality. And he roots this argument in the Old Testament scriptures. He quotes from Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. So here's kind of the, the image. Uh, and we have a picture of it. So God freed his people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt. And he's taking them to the promised land. This land that was going to be great and they could rest and he'd protect them and it would be awesome. Well, on the way there, of course, people get hungry. And... The Israelites, God's people, they grumble and complain against God. And they say, oh, if God would only have just killed us in Egypt, we'd be better off. He should have just killed us there. It's, Man, we had all this food in Egypt, but Moses, you're a terrible leader. You brought us out here to the desert, and we're going to starve to death. So God heard their grumbling, their complaining, and God told them, look, I'm going to make it rain on you guys. I'm going to rain meat and bread, and I'm going to give you food. And so the next morning they wake up. And there's something on the ground. It's like, uh, it's like honey wafers. It, it tastes sweet and good. And they realize, whoa, this is the food that God's promised. And so they get their baskets and the families begin to collect food for the day. And they're like, oh, finally, we have food. And the families that collected much and the families that collected little, at the end of it all, they all had what they needed. No one went hungry. No one had a need. So that was what happened with manna in the wilderness with God's people. Fast forward, Paul told the church in Corinth, that's how I want it to be with our financial needs in the body of Christ. 
the church in Corinth, churches in Macedonia, church in Jerusalem, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have a surplus and you see that someone else has a need, they don't have food, they don't have clothes, they don't have a home, you don't just say, oh, well, that's none of my business. That's just, that's their financial situation. No, you say, they're one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have, they don't, let me help them. Let me give to meet their needs. Uh, if you don't believe me, you could read Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. When the church first started, they had all things in common. Again, they had their own property. It wasn't that no one had their own property. So again, not an argument for socialism or communism. But when anybody had a need, they were selling houses, land, possessions. No one had a need among them. So in other words, uh, while we shouldn't be communists or socialists, if you think, well, we should be capitalists and I should just get as much money as I can for myself and then tell my brothers and sisters in Christ, well, that's your problem. Sorry, you don't have money to pay your bills. Sorry, you don't have food to eat. Sorry, you don't have a, no. You say, oh, I've got all this surplus. I'm going to eagerly give to help my brother and sister. So Paul wanted there to be equality. And this is, this is what we, we need to do too. Here's the third key to excelling in financial generosity. We need to give to those in need. Give to those in need. Um, I would say, from my own opinion, I think that there's a priority placed among believers giving financially to other believers. I think that there is something unique in this passage and in the passages in Acts where the, the church had no one in need. And so I think we should prioritize supporting one another in our financial needs and letting people know if we have financial needs, not being too proud or not being too like, oh, I feel weird that I'm letting people know. No, it's like let people know you have a need. But then obviously when you read outside of this passage and other passages that talk about giving, um, we as followers of Jesus need to give to those in need that are outside of the church as well, whether it's orphans or widows or the lost or whoever. If we're meeting needs in general, then that's a good thing as well. So we need to, to give to those in need in the family of God and just those in need in the world as well. So we look to help those in need. So that, that's uh, what Paul told the church in Corinth. And it's what, he's, what God through his spirit is inviting you and me into today if we're going to excel in financial generosity. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds. So pull out a phone, pull out a journal, something to write with. Um, three questions. What did you hear God saying to you? As you read this passage of scripture and as the Holy Spirit was speaking, what did you hear? Second, how are you going to obey? We're not just going to be hearers of the word. We want to be a church that's full of doers of the word. So what's even just a small, concrete step you could take? And then finally, who could you share with? Maybe like Garrett mentioned earlier, maybe, maybe there's somebody in a life group. Maybe somebody you're doing a Bible study with. Maybe a friend or family member, spouses. Maybe, maybe uh, you need to sit down and talk about this. Maybe parents in the car ride home with their kids. Who could you share this with and talk about financial generosity? I'll give you 60 seconds. Go.
So there's one verse I skipped over. Save the best for last. Verse 9. Paul told the church in Corinth, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Everybody in this room, at, at some point in our lives, we've, we've sinned against God. We've broken his commands. And because of that, we have a sin debt. We have a debt that none of us can pay. I got bad news. Uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, uh, you've got more debt than our government. <laughs> it's that bad. And no matter how many good deeds you do, if you go to church, try not to cuss as much, whatever, you'll never be able to pay the debt. And in the middle of that brokenness and in this hopeless position where we can't possibly get out, the grace of Jesus leaving the riches of heaven and coming into earth, stepping into our brokenness, living a perfect life, never sinning. Jesus went to the cross and he died. He shed his blood at the cross, taking our guilt and shame and sin upon himself. He defeated Satan and sin and death. God, three days later, raised him from the dead, victorious overall. Jesus became poor so you could become rich. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, uh, <laughs> in the words of Dave Ramsey, you could do a debt-free string today. You could get out of debt with God, but it only is one way. It's only the cross of Jesus Christ. And to do that, we... We've got to just say, look, I'm not good enough, God. I'm never going to be able to do it. And I stop living the way that I want to live. I'm going to stop moving in this direction. And I'm going to submit to you. And I cry out to you, Lord God, would you save me? Jesus, because of what you did at the cross, I believe that you died. I believe you rose from the dead. And I, I surrender my life to you as Lord of my life. You've got to trust and follow Jesus today. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you, uh, maybe you want to be baptized today. If that's you in a moment, when we take communion, you can go to the prayer banner, and we'd love to help you take that step. Maybe you have questions about, okay, well, what's this whole Jesus thing about? I want to learn more. You can go to the prayer banner. We'd love to help you start that journey. Whatever it is, if you're not a Christian today, man, this is on the table for you. This is available, but you got to come by faith through Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the grace of the Lord Jesus that despite our sin and our brokenness, Lord, that you love us. Lord, every single person in here, you say if we break one command, then we've broken all of them. We're a lawbreaker. If we've gotten angry at someone, if we've committed adultery, if we've murdered, if we've lied, if we cheated, any one of those things, it's like doing all of them. We're guilty before you. And yet, because of your grace, Jesus took the punishment. Jesus was judged for us. Jesus died and shed his blood as the perfect lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Lord, thank you for the crucifixion of Jesus at the cross. Thank you for raising from the dead. Lord, and thank you that he ascended on high where he, he sits right now at your right hand and that he pours out the gift of his Holy Spirit to anyone who will turn to him in faith.
that he gives us forgiveness of sins. He gives us a new heart so that we can live a different life. He gives us the hope of eternal life that we'll live even after death. Lord, if there's anyone here today who wants to receive that grace, Lord, would you cause them, would you help them to respond? Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.